Well, good morning. Stand with me. God, we pray that you will come and meet with us now. We give ourselves to you. you're here. Oh, thanks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't have to sit down yet because we're going to continue to sing, but I just wanted to say welcome. I'm so glad that you have chosen to carve out some time uh, because it's so important for us to come together. 
we're just a bunch of people who don't have it together, right? We don't have it together, and, and that's okay because we are all putting our attention and our focus on this Jesus who shows us the very best way to live. And so today, I hope that your heart is encouraged, and I hope that you are challenged in some way, and I hope that you make some connections with some other people who feel a lot like you, that they don't have it all together, but they're looking at the one that does and holds it all together. And so, welcome to this place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome you here. You've promised that you would be. And so we give our lives to you, we give our messes to you, we give it all to you, and we know that you are completely trustworthy. We give you our lives. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
come today to prayer let's just abide in him everything we have is from him and through him we come with busy days we come with stresses and frustrations and sometimes all we need to do is slow down and learn how to abide and rest and just trust in our God who's faithful and good. So just take a moment, maybe even take a breath. Jesus, today we choose to abide in you. For my waking breath, for my daily I depend on you. I depend on you for the sun to rise. Sleep at night. I depend 
never runs dry. I'm the branch and you are the vine. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Where the Spirit leads, as I'm Just how to abide in you. Sing with me.
God, we love you. Teach us how to abide in you. Teach us the rhythms of your grace and the rhythms of rest. God, so often we work, 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 and we think that time off is so that we can recover from all the chaos when really you call us to rest and out of the refreshment and the joy and the peace and the filling that you bring to us that is where our strength is for our work God we get it backwards so often when we do it our way and we work 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 and then we rest to recover it's just another sign that we think that we're in control God, will you teach us how to abide in you and understand that every good and perfect gift comes from you and it's out of your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love and your strength and your power and your design and your purpose for our lives that everything else flows. Our week, our work, our lives are a response to abiding in you. Jesus, teach us how to abide. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me add my good morning uh, to you. Welcome to Port Orange Church of the Nazarene this morning. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I was at the at the doors. It's nice to greet people and and smile and shake hands or bump fists or give hugs as, as folks are coming in. So we're glad uh, that you're here. You know, we spend so much of our time when we come in worship, singing, and we hear preaching. Um, and I want us to take a few minutes this morning to just spend some time present with God praying, where we get to talk. I read something this morning on Facebook that prayer is really supposed to be about a time when you're present, face-to-face, talking like you would with your friend. And uh, I I want us to do that this morning. So I'm going to give you some prompts as we're in a time of prayer uh, for some things to pray about. And uh, just spend some time talking to your friend, the God who created the earth, 
Jesus who died to save us and the Holy Spirit who is present with us. Let's pray. Start by spending just a few minutes in in thanks and praise to God for what God has done in your life, but even beyond that, just for who God is. And then spend, spend a minute thinking about the people that you know who are hurting today. That hurt could be physical illness. It could be a broken relationship. It could be pain in the body. Or missing uh, people who are no longer present in our lives. Pray for those who are hurting this morning. Spend just a moment praying for your community, uh, the people who work near you, the people who live on either side or across the street, uh, the people that you know in Port Orange, Daytona, New Smyrna, this surrounding area. Pray for them that they will come to know our God and Savior. And speaking of our community, pray for those that are in leadership. Leadership here in, here in our church, but also in our city. Elected officials, volunteers who serve on communities, and then larger uh, within our state and our country. Pray for those that are in leadership that they will listen and pay attention to the things of God. God, we thank you for all that you've done, but not just for what you've done, because of who you are. You are the God who created. You're the Son who saves. You're the Spirit who dwells with us even today. We pray that as we've spent these few minutes talking to you, that it strengthens our relationship with you as as a friend and as a God and as a Savior. Lord, we pray that you'll hear our prayers this morning and that you will help us to become the very answers to those prayers for our friends and neighbors who are hurting, for our friends and neighbors who need to know you. Help us to take the initiative to reach out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities, throughout the state, throughout the world, wherever we go. And we praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My name is Garen, and I'm the lead pastor here, and along with uh, Tim and Jen and Jason, who is somewhere, somewhere, who who was working all night at the racetrack and still made it to church. Talk about, yeah, sure, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 
Um, we serve as uh, the pastoral team to help lead you and guide you and train you and equip you so that you can go out and be a light into the world. And I want to give you just a couple of announcements today. I'm going to be very brief and we're going to plow through these because um, I uh, want to get on to some other things. Uh, but these are important. So first off, let me tell you what's coming up. Tomorrow, if you were with us last week for Compass class, tomorrow is our second class. Join us 6.30 to 8, and uh, we're going to have uh, some sort of dinner and a good time. This is going to be where we, the second part of Compass class is awesome. It's where we talk about your spiritual gifts and how God has uniquely made you and how you can plug in to the life of the church and use your gifts for God's glory. So that's tomorrow, 6.30. Second thing I want to make you aware, um, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have um, a system of government where we have elected board members and we're part of a district and all that kind of stuff. So next Sunday, after our service, at our monthly potluck, we're going to be hosting our annual meeting. So it'll be a little different. It's not as much roam around, eat, and talk. We're going to kind of grab our food and talk a little bit. Everyone's invited, even if you're not a member, stay for the potluck and hear what's happening in the life of the church. And that's next week. And then following that, I think on the 19th, yep, church board election. So next week at our annual board meeting, we'll let you know, these are the people that have been nominated by the committee to help serve and represent you next year in the life of the church. And so you'll uh, get some names and some information about them next week. And we will then vote and approve on the 19th. And I think I have two others. One that you don't know about, Emma, but that's all right. Uh, the next one is Good Neighbor Offering. We are a church that gives. And I'm thankful for that. Um, you guys, um, you amaze me frequently by your generosity. We'll just put it that way. Um, the money that has, I got um, a thank you card and a tax receipt from a church in Ohio that you sent almost $2,000 to to help with Ukraine last year. Um, things that I, I totally forgot about. We give and we give and we give, and I'm just so thankful for that. This month, our Good Neighbor Offering is going to a woman with um, three kids who was a victim of some domestic violence, and she's out of work for a total of 12 weeks. But she, even though she's not working, she still has bills to pay and rent to pay and food, and she has needs. And so we want to bless her. So as you give, if you want to designate, um, this isn't for tithes and offerings. This is above and beyond. But if you say, I want to help out, um, on your check, you can just put GNO, Good Neighbor Offering, um, or if you... If you give online or by texting, you can look for the Good Neighbor Offering um, option. And the last one, I couldn't import a slide fast enough, but February 10th, we are starting our next small group, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be at Mike and Lisa's house. Mike and Lisa, stand up real fast so they can know who to talk to if they need to. That's them. They're going to be helping serve communion today as well, so you'll get another view of them. But it's going to be awesome. Um, next week, we're going to roll out what they're going to be working on. But if you want to be involved, it starts February 10th, and there's a sign-up sheet in the back where the name tags were. Let them know so that they can start planning for that small group. I encourage you, 
it's going to be really good. They're going to be, um, I'm going to be partnering with them, and we're going to be working through the same thing in our weekly services during Lent that they're going through um, and breaking down even more during their sessions. And so it'll be a good time. So I encourage you, join that group if you don't have one. And just another plug, um, Ken right here, you want to stand? You don't want to. Stand, come on, Ken. Ken leads our Sunday school class. If you've never been to our Sunday school class, this brother brings it. Um, although I heard Mark, was Mark leading today or was he just talking? Were you just talking? Mark brings it too. Mark helps Ken and they, uh, do an amazing job. So Sundays at nine, maybe you say, okay, I got my coffee at six 30 or seven. What else am I going to do till 10? Come to Sunday school. Even if you didn't plan on it, set your alarm, get up early, come to Sunday school. It's a great time. Ken, what are you working through right now? Ooh, the life of King David. That would be good. Nine o'clock Sunday. All right, I think that's it for me. So we've got the slide from the Good Neighbor Offering just disappeared, but we're moving into the time of service where we talk about worshiping through giving. And so if you're online with us, ponaz.church slash give. I'll post the link on Facebook and YouTube in just a minute. Um, you can participate there. If you're here in the building as you leave this morning, there are boxes that are secure on your way out. You can drop your tithes, your offerings, and participate in worship uh, in that way. So let us pray that God will use our tithes and offerings. Lord, we thank you again. You've given so much to us, and in this time of worship, we give back to you. We pray that you will take the funds, that you will use them for your kingdom here in Port Orange, throughout Central Florida, and literally around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard us talk a lot so far, haven't you? Well, now's your turn. So this morning, as we extend peace to each other, this is where we get to practice a little bit of connecting with each other and, and extending the peace that we have from our God to each other. This is just practice for what we do when we leave this place, you know. So will you stand with me? I encourage you, if you've not met someone yet, to introduce yourself. Be um, step out of maybe your your introvert um, comfort zone. That's easy for me to say, right? Shut up, Jen, because I like to talk to people. Um, but find someone and um, extend hospitality to them. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you this morning. Thank you. Extend that to each other. Kids, meet me in the back corner.
So good to see you. So, thank you. Thank you. You know what? I'm not using this today, so I'm going to roll it. Otherwise, it'll distract me. But I'm not going to roll it any farther because of the mic. Okay. This is going to be a tough sermon because I don't have cookies to bribe you with this week. So if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. If not, watch it on YouTube. Did you, did you, were the cookies okay? Did you, did you try the orange one? It was okay? Awesome. Did, what about the peppermint? No, not good? Oh, you, oh, you didn't try it. And then, of course, you have Vanessa, Miss Vanessa, who made about five dozen cookies. And hers are legendary, and so um, I don't have any cookies today, but we're still going to be okay, aren't we? We'll, we'll make it through. So, if you, know, if you know me, I love literature. Um, I studied it uh, in college, and um, it just is one of those things I love. One of the... One of the writers that I really love, um, her name is Harper Lee. Have you heard of her? Maybe you recognize her work if you don't know her name. She's the one who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. Boop. So, so you, you may have read the book in high school. You may have seen the movie Gregory Peck made it famous, 1961. The book came out in 1960. Um, Actually, it was 1962 the movie was. 1960, the book comes out. 1961, Lee wins a Pulitzer Prize for her work. 1962, it's a movie starring Gregory Peck. It's through the eyes of this young girl. Her name is Scout, and her father, Atticus, is an attorney, and he defends a black man who is wrongly accused of a crime. And it's, it's all about the dynamics that take place in a small southern town in Alabama. It deals with family. It deals with community. It deals with racism. There are a lot of topics that it deals with. Um, it's just, it's a powerful book. It's the only book she ever really wrote. When she was asked in an interview, why don't you write more, her answer was, I was afraid. I didn't write anymore because I was afraid. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of not measuring up. I was afraid of judgment. She simply had a gift that she was too afraid to use. And so we have one amazing book from her and... Then there was silence for about five decades. I've been thinking about that a lot, just the use of her gift or the lack of, um, as I've been thinking about our text today. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 14. I don't have the words today, so you can open up your Bible. You can look at version if you, or you Bible or whatever it is if you have an app. Or you can do what they did a long time ago and hear the word of the Lord. So Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. Just to set this up, here's, here's, here's what's going on. This is a section in the book of Matthew where, Jesus, where Matthew is talking about this disciple-making process that Jesus was doing. He was transforming and shaping the disciples that were following him, the crowds that were following him. And then we hear that 
John the Baptist has been beheaded. He was saying things and doing things that the king didn't like. Actually, the king kind of liked him, but the king said things and did things that he shouldn't have, and he backed himself into a corner, and John the Baptist was murdered. And it's into that setting that Jesus retreats, um, goes away, finds a quiet place, and then we get this. Matthew 14, beginning with verse 3. As soon as Jesus heard the news, the news about John, he left in a remote boat, uh, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was heading and they followed on foot from many towns. I mean, he was popular. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped out from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And that evening, the disciples came to him and they said, This is a a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and they can buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. (laughs) But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. And then he told the disciples, he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. And then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. So here we find Jesus, we find the disciples, they've just heard the news about John, and they withdraw to a remote place. And if you read a bunch of commentaries, there are lots of different ideas why Jesus and the disciples may have retreated. It could be for safety, it's like, hey, they just killed John, let's, let's... Let things simmer down a little bit and we'll go to a different area. It could have been to step away to grieve the loss of the relative of Jesus. Remember, John and Jesus are relatives. It could be for them to regroup and say, okay, let's gather together. Let's make sure that we're all on the same page. We don't know the motive behind the withdrawal. But we know the heart of Jesus Through all of it. Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. He had compassion on the people and then he acted. He did something to help the people. He stepped out on the boat, he saw the crowds, and he began to do what Jesus does. He connected with them. He had compassion with them. Remember, we've talked in the past about how that that Greek word is like just down in his guts. It just tore him up. That's, that's what that word compassion means. When he had compassion, it's not just like, oh, that's really sad. It's this is breaking my heart and I can do something about it kind of feeling. That's the compassion that Jesus had. And so he saw the crowd. He had compassion. Jesus acted. Jesus felt this wasn't a theory. Oh, we should have compassion towards people in this part. No. 
This was hands and feet, literal help. I think a lot of times we make it pie in the sky. Let's have compassion. Let's be, let's have warm thoughts and... No, this is Jesus, hands and feet, doing something out of the compassion that Jesus had. Compassion is the overwhelming theme of Jesus. And it should be the identifying trademark of any follower of Jesus. I was at a conference the other day and they said something really powerful. Compassion is the apologetics of the day. The world is tired of hearing about all of these things. They're sick of our politics. They're sick of our ideas. What they need is compassion in their pain. They need us to be Jesus in their pain. Compassion is the apologetics of the day. If we are going to reach people for Jesus, it's going to come through compassion. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus always moved through the lens of compassion. Now, let's contrast that. Let's contrast Jesus with the disciples. This is a lot of fun. The disciples, how did they respond when they saw the crowds? Well, they came up, Jesus came up with compassion and and action. They came up with solutions. Send them home, Jesus. They came up with understandable responses. They can get their own food. That's understandable. We're not expected. We didn't ask them to follow us. We're not expected to do all this. The disciples came up with excuses. It's getting late, Jesus. We're tired. We've, we've done our show. They need to go. We've done the encore and the second encore. It's time for the band to go in the back room and for the crowd to go home. What they didn't bring into the situation is compassion. For some reason, they were still having a hard time mirroring the person that they said they were following. They were in the presence of compassion, watching compassion unfold, and they still were having a hard time getting it. Jesus saw the need and he had compassion and he met the needs. The disciples saw the need and they wanted to distance themselves. Let somebody else do it. So they tell Jesus and FYI, that's pretty bold. When you tell Jesus to do something, they tell Jesus, send him away. It's, it's late. Just, just send him away. And Jesus says, no, that's not necessary. You feed him. The disciples want to separate themselves from the need and Jesus wants them to meet the need. And I'm always shocked when I read this passage because Jesus doesn't say, relax. I got this. Jesus doesn't say, don't worry. I'm Jesus. We're going to be okay. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know I do miracles. You just watched me heal all these people. I got this. No. Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus tells them, you do something. This is on you now. Stop complaining about the problem and be part of the solution. Get involved. Get invested. You see a problem. Do something about it. Stop trying to avoid the hurt in people's lives. Help heal them. 
Stop saying it's their responsibility. Take ownership for the well-being of your fellow neighbor. That's what we're called to do. And of course, the disciples do what you and I would have done. They look in their pockets and they say, um, we don't have anything. We don't have the resources. We can't fix this. That's why we told you to send them away. You're telling us to do something and we have nothing to do something with. And I love it because it's in this story that Jesus reminds them the power is going to be God's. It's just the hands and feet that are going to be yours. You're going to be the one acting, but don't worry. It's going to be the power of God that does the miracle. You're not doing anything except for being an open vessel. Church, we still believe that today. That's why it's one of our core values. We give our lives away. If you're just joining us, we're in a core value series, and we've talked about the importance of gathering and scattering. We come together as a body of believers so that we can go out and be Jesus into the world. We talked about how we don't stay the same. We believe that there is transformation that can happen in our lives as we follow Jesus. The more you're with someone, the more you're like someone, right? So we don't stay the same. We believe, last week we talked about how we're better together. And remember, you watched me mix all of these ingredients. I love chocolate chips. Mm, I love butter. You put them together and add a little flour and some baking. Like you put, we're better together. You go from good ingredients to great cookies when we're together. The fourth core value that we have is we give our lives away because that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave his life away, and we choose to be like Jesus. We don't have much, but what we have, we give. So I love it. Jesus tells them to sit down, and we don't have time to go into it, but that when he's telling them to sit down, that word is the same word that's used um, when you hear other stories where Jesus went to the leader's house and they reclined and sat down for a banquet. It's the same word that's used when they're in the upper room and they're reclining for the banquet. It's, Jesus isn't just saying, okay, gather them into groups. Jesus is saying, all right now, they're about to have something good. Tell them to get ready. Sit down. And then he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it. There are a few things that I think we can take away from this story. First thing is, this was a borrowed blessing. The miracle that the disciples did was actually someone else's offering. In a parallel passage um, that John talks about this story, he talks about it's a little boy that has this basket. No one else in the crowd has planned ahead, but this, this boy has some fish and some bread. The disciples aren't prepared for it, but for some reason this kid was. And Jesus would use the disciples' hands... But the blessing came from a borrowed boy's meal. I'm always amazed 
at where the miracle comes from. There are times when God does something amazing, and there are times when God uses me to do something amazing, but almost every time God uses me to do something amazing, it's because I'm borrowing from someone else's gifts or passions or ministry or giving. I'm just the hands. I'm I'm just the representative of Jesus, but the miracle is God's. And the blessing is borrowed from someone else, usually many of you. Second thing is, the boy prepared and he shared what he had. He was willing to give his meal away. Now, in his hands, it's nothing special. It's a snack. I mean, think about it. Five little loaves of bread and a couple of fish. That's a 3 p.m. snack. But when it's placed in the master's hands... When Jesus gets a hold of it, when Jesus takes it and blesses it and breaks it and gives it, all of a sudden, the little things in our hands aren't so little, are they? Third thing is, the boy didn't seek any glory. None of the Gospels tell the boy's name. It's not like there was a kid, his name was Jerry, and he was from Galilee, and... This kid was awesome because he shared... No, we don't know anything. Matthew doesn't even tell that it was a boy. John's the only reason we have that information. This kid didn't seek any glory. He was just in the right spot, and he had the right gifts in his hands, and he freely gave it to Jesus. Church, we we don't give ourselves away... That's not one of our core values so that people go, wow, poor orange is amazing. That, oh, that church. That, oh, wow. No. We don't care about recognition. We're not trying to get Christian street cred. We give ourselves away to be a blessing and to point people to the bread of life. That's why we give our lives away. Fourth thing. This is the tough one. The boy didn't give some. The boy gave all. Honesty time. If I were that boy, here's what I would have done. Jesus, here's what I have. If I can just keep maybe one piece of bread and half a fish, you can have the rest. Take it. If I can just have a little bit to make sure I'm taken care of. That's not what the boy did. The boy was, it's all yours, Jesus. Because partial surrender isn't surrender. Hear that again. Partial surrender isn't surrender. And Jesus isn't looking for part of us. Jesus wants all of us. All we have, all we are, all we dream about, all that frustrates us. Jesus wants all of us. Giving part of ourselves to God will not do. Jesus isn't looking to give part of our lives away. Because Jesus didn't give part of his life away, did he? Uh, The fifth thing, the final thing, the boy gave what was in his hands. He had a basket, he had some food, 
It just happened to be exactly what was needed. The boy didn't say, hey, let me run home. My mom is close by and she could make a bunch of bread really fast. The boy didn't say, I got a piggy bank. If you let me crack it open, I can get some money and we can go. No. What was in his hands? That's what he gave. And it was more than enough for Jesus to use. He gave what he had, and that was enough. So my question today is, what's in your hand? Sounds like a credit card commercial, doesn't it? What's in your wallet? What's in your hand? Here's my fear. My fear is that we're offering God everything except for what we're holding. Because what we're holding is probably what's most precious to us. I know. We're afraid of losing what's in our hand. I don't know. It may be the future. It may be money. It may be a relationship. We're, we don't want to lose it. We don't want to give it to God. This part's going well, God. I don't need your help. I worked hard for it. It has sentimental value. So more times than not, we offer God something else. God, this is in my hand and I really care about it. But I'll give you this. You can do whatever you want with this. We think, well, God's God. I mean, God doesn't need my talents or my money or my time or my energy. God doesn't need my passions. God doesn't need me to be present in other people's pain. God's God. If God wants to do something, God will just do something. But the truth is, you and I are the vessels that God chooses to represent the compassion of God in this world. I've said this quote before. We are the agents of reconciliation. There is no plan B. If people are going to see the compassion of God, they're going to see it in us. Which means we have to be all of his. All God's. All your hopes, all you hope to be, all you have, all your dreams, all your fears, all your goals, all your finances, all your activities, everything. Giving part to God isn't what God is looking for. I can't imagine when I asked Jen to marry me, if I said, I love you so much and I, I want to give you a lot of me. Is that good enough? Will you marry me? I mean, I don't want you part of a, some parts of my life because that's running really well. But I mean, I like you enough. I love you. So let's be involved in these parts. I think Jen and I would have parted with me having a black eye, uh, just to be honest. I would never have offered Jen half of me or part of me. Why do we think it's okay to only offer God part of us? It's beyond me. And yet, I struggle with it just as much as you do. I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm in the choir too. 
But God wants us all. Giving part of what's in our hand won't do. God longs to take our lives. God longs to bless our lives. Then God longs to break our lives and give it to the world. Let's circle back to Harper Lee for a second. So, won a Pulitzer Prize, never wrote again. Such a gift! Such a gift for writing! And she was too afraid to give it to the world. Now, here's what's interesting. So, this book was written in 1960. In 2011, lawyers were looking through a a lockbox of hers in Monroe, Alabama. And you know what they found? A second manuscript. They found a book that she wrote before she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. She she submitted to a publisher and they said, we love this girl, Scout. It's about a 20-year-old Scout coming back to her family. And they said, we love this story, but we would much rather hear about her childhood and how she got to be the woman she is. Why don't you write that first? So for 50-something years, this book sat in a lockbox and nobody even knew about it. In 2011 it was found, in 2015 it was published. I'll be honest, I like this one better, but this one isn't bad. And I don't know, Ghost Set of Watchmen is, is great. But you know, here's the thing, what a tragedy, 50 years in a vault. You know what the bigger tragedy is? What could she have written? What could she have done if she would have just given herself over and said, okay, world, this is me. She probably would have had a couple of bombs. She might have had more Pulitzers. We'll never know because she was unwilling to give what was in her hands to the world. What masterpieces weren't written because she didn't pin them? Well, let's tie it all together. We have a choice. We're all holding something in our hands, aren't we? It's different for each of us. But we're all guarding something. We have a choice. Will we give it to God and watch God do miraculous things? Or will we hold on to it? Keep it for ourselves and never know the full potential of all that God had for us because we didn't give everything to God. God wants all of us. You may think you can compartmentalize things at work or in your home life or whatever, but you can't compartmentalize things with God. 
God won't do it. You can't tell God, you can have my marriage, but I want to keep my finances. Well, you can have my talents, but I want to protect my time. Nope, it's all God's or you're holding something back. Friends, we're called to model the life of Jesus. The one who considered equality with God something not to be grasped, but lowered himself, took on human form, became a servant, and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's the way Paul puts it in Philippians 2. And if you and I are going to be like Christ, we are called to give our lives away too. It means everything. It means there are some of us that need to readjust our time. There are some that need to readjust our passions and line up with the passions of God. For some, it's money. For some, it's attitudes. For some, it's habits that are hurting us. Well, a little gossip isn't a big deal. Yeah, it kind of is. <coughs> Who's not being fed? Because your hand isn't being extended. Those are the types of questions that keep me up at night. God, who wasn't reached today because I was holding something back? Who doesn't know about your love because our church isn't shining as brightly as we can? I'm not in your workplaces. I'm not in your homes. I can't be that person. I can't show the compassion of Jesus in those situations. Only you can do that. Who's not seeing the masterpiece of God's compassion because you're not writing his love on your heart, in your life, and on everything you touch? That scares me. But on the flip side, I am so excited and amazed about the potential because I see so much of God's goodness in you and I see so much of God's grace and God's mercy. And I sit there and think, if I can just get out of my own way and if you can just get out of your own way, God could do something miraculous through us if we would just give it all to Him. God would take it. God would bless it. God would break us into the broken parts of this world and God would give the world his love through us. That excites me. That's what I look forward to. How could the landscape of Port Orange be different in a year if you and I said, we're not going to give 70% or 80%, we're going to give 100%. How could life be different? Think of the influence in the businesses, in the neighborhoods, just by this group alone. And it's contagious. It's contagious. When we start acting like Jesus, people want to see it and they want to know why. And even other believers say, wow, I thought I had something, but man, that person is burning at a whole different heat level. It's contagious. Think of the healing that could happen if we just chose to give our lives away for the kingdom of God in Port Orange Church. We can do it. We're called to do it.
question is, will we open up our hands and give everything to God? I want to close with a quote from one of my heroes. Um, Mother Teresa spent her life living the compassion of Jesus. Uh, She affected countless people in Calcutta, but countless people the world over. She wrote this, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which He looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet through which He walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which He blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are His body. Christ has no other body now on earth but yours. Jesus, surrender is difficult. We spend our days dreaming about things and worrying about things and at the end of the day the truth is we have no control. We think we do. We think we're holding something but it's like sand in our hands. But God, if we could just come to you, open palms and say we don't have much. Just a snack really. God, I have every confidence that you could do amazingly, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or imagine if we would just place all we are and all we have into your hands. God, I need to surrender more. Maybe it's not more. Maybe it's I need to surrender more often. Transformation isn't a one-and-done thing. I need to grow more and more like you every day. We all do. So God, will you help us? There's nothing worse than having a core value and ignoring it. We say we're called to give our lives away, and if we don't live up to what we say, then, I don't know, I guess that kind of makes us a hypocrite or a liar or something, but it doesn't make us like you are. Jesus, we want to be compassionate to a world that needs you. We want to be your hands and feet, understanding that we're just the vessel. You're the one doing the miracle. This is a borrowed blessing. God, will you help us to come together, to understand that we're better together, and when we pull our resources, when we pull our passions, when we pull our talents, when we pull our compassion, you can do more than we could ever imagine. You can do more than we can do on our own. You don't need any Lone Ranger Christians. You need us to be the body of Christ that is marching into the world and ushering in your kingdom. God, I pray that you'll help us to be like that. 
I pray that this may be a milestone moment and a year from now we look back and as we're starting 2024, we look back and we say that was when we finally all got it right and we all surrendered everything to God and God did exponentially more than we could have ever dreamed. We thought we had big dreams and they were nothing compared to what God had in store. Jesus, I pray that that will be what happens. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth, in Port Orange, at this church, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our relationships, at our jobs, as it is in heaven. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we come to the table. We come to this great thanksgiving. It's interesting that Matthew uses the same four verbs in this miracle and in the upper room. Where he talks about Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. I've been thinking a lot about that this week. I think there's a both and. He gave it to his disciples and they took it and they ate it. That was the upper room. And I think that this is for us. But I also think maybe Matthew had something else in mind when in the miracle passage, Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it, and they took that bread and gave it to someone else. So as we come to the table, we remember what Christ has done for us, but we also take it and we proclaim it to the world and we offer this Jesus to others. We take it in, but we take it out. So on the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he was with his disciples in the upper room. They were celebrating the Passover, which was remembering their liberation from Egypt. They had been physical slaves, and they were seeing nothing more than commodity to be used until they were broken and dead. And God liberated them. And in the upper room, Jesus said, I want to liberate you spiritually. You are more than just an inanimate, non-human tool to be used. You are beloved. You are children of the Most High God. You are joint heirs with Jesus. So he took the bread and he held it up and he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body which will be broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then in a, in a similar way, he lifted up the cup. And he said, this blood represents, or this cup represents my blood which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink all of it and be thankful. In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in an open table. 
This is not our table. We did not set it, and we did not provide. This was God's table. Christ provided. And so we believe that this is for all who profess a faith in Jesus or all who are actively seeking to know Jesus better. This table's for you. Jason and I talk about this a lot when we do this, but if you'll recall, even Judas had his feet washed by Jesus. Even Judas was offered the elements. He left after all that, and so we do not police this table. This is offered for all who are willing to come and receive and who want transformation in their lives through the saving life and blood of Jesus. So I'm going to invite uh, Mike and Lisa. I'm going to serve them, and then they're going to help me by serving you. So um, give me one moment, and I'll serve them. And then I invite you. You're all welcome. If you come, come down this row, and then work your way back to your seats. Give me just one moment. And we'll open up the table. table has been set. All are welcome. Come.
you stand with me? Here at our church, we sing our benediction. And uh, you'll notice there are people, some, some that do this. I invite you to join us today. Basically, what we're saying is, God, we come open-handed, ready to receive your blessing and ready to give you everything. And so you'll notice a lot of people will sing like this, our benediction. Um, and I invite you to join us. Sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. Go. Give your lives away.